Hi, and welcome to the Willow Ridge Church Weekly Podcast. This is where you can find audio for our current and past sermons. We hope that you enjoy this week's installment, and be sure to check back next week to hear the latest message. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Glad that you guys are here with us. If you got your Bibles, open them up to Luke chapter 22. As you turn there, uh, we will be taking part and partaking in the Lord's Supper today. So hopefully you were able to get one of these little Lord's Supper cups as you came in. There I am. Uh, and so if you didn't have the opportunity or if you missed those, you can go back right now, grab one of those. We promise Pastor Dave is standing back there. We won't ridicule you for not getting one earlier. We're just glad that we can do this together, all right? And so, at, but as you turn to Luke chapter 22, I want to talk to you guys about the rest of the summer. Now, I don't know about you, but, but, but school, you know, is out for the Bradbury house and, and we're home and, and, and it's kind of in those moments where we're thinking through what are the plans that we're going to make for the summer. And so we're, we're talking about those. We've set plans long ago. And then as it kind of moves forward, we're, we're kind of adapting and adjusting as we go. And, and so what I'd like to talk to us about, and, and this is going to kind of be a little bit longer uh, than, than maybe a normal announcement that, that Bo fills in, but, but to kind of let you know our, our plans as we move together as a church family this summer. And, and, and the reason why I want to take some time to talk about it, uh, number one, I think, I think it's very important uh, that, that you know what we're going and where we feel like God's leading, but then also that, that you can join us with this, all right? And, and what we're really looking at with these next two sermon series is not something that, that you and I, that we just show up on a Sunday morning and, and it's what we talk about and maybe, maybe there's a take home that you really grasp a hold of, but that we're intentionally looking at what we can do together as a body as a family of Christ as, as we go through this and as we grow together, all right? So that's why I want to take some time that I think is very important that we spend some time talking about that this morning. And so the first summer series that we're going to get started on is on July 11th, and that's going to be a prayer series, all right? And what we're going to do for five weeks on Sunday mornings, we're going to gather in here together, and we're going to look at what the Bible says about prayer. We're going to look at examples of prayer in Scripture and then challenge each other to see that how we can grow in our own prayer life, right? Like, I don't know if you're like me, but, but, but you know someone in your life who's that prayer warrior, and you always wonder, like, man, I like my prayer life to, to be like them. For me, that was my grandmother, and just seeing and knowing and her sharing with me all those things that she prayed about. And, and so, but, but sometimes I can put my eyes on my grandmother and, and move off of, of God, even in that dynamic. And so what we want to really look at and do is like, God, what are you teaching us and how can we grow together as a church family in prayer? But then here's going to be the challenge for us. Here's going to be the take home for all of us throughout this. Along with the series, we're going to have a five-week focus on prayer in our church. So, so here's, here's our goal. Here's what we're hoping for, all right? For those five weeks, while we are talking about prayer on Sunday morning, 24 hours a day, seven days a week for five weeks, that we've got men, women, and maybe even children of Willow Ridge Church who are committed to pray during that time, so that for five weeks straight, there's not a moment during the day or night where there's not someone from Willow Ridge crying out and interceding on behalf of us to God. And so that's going to be the challenge that we set before. 
So here's the, the challenge. Can we get 168 people to commit to pray one hour a day to for, for five weeks as we go forward with this? Now, that's not one hour every day during that week, but it is one hour a day per week as we go forward. So here's the example. So like for my house, I may say that I'm going to take the the 3 a.m. Sunday morning slot, right? Sunday's a big day for me. It'd be good for me to get up a little bit earlier anyways, right? So I'm going to take that hour for me. So I've got that locked up. But my wife may say that she's going to take the the 5 a.m. Monday morning because she gets up really early and she's teaching summer school. So maybe that provides her that that opportunity so that we we have that. So we want to invite you to join us in being a part of that. And so you can sign up. We want to be able to track and make sure that we're having every hour accounted for. And you can sign up to that by going to willowridgechurch.com forward slash prayer. And that's the website that we've created and you can sign up. Now, I want to go ahead and address this. If you think it's a little intimidating to do this, all right, me too. All right. Like, I'm there with you. If you're like, man, I, I, this just seems too much for me. This seems too hard for me. Like, like I want to be honest and open with you. Like, I understand that battle with where you're at. And, and as I listen and think about this myself, like, like I'm there too. But, but I just want you to, to think about this. What's it going to be like in your life? What's, what could it be like in, in the life of our church? If coming into this next season of ministry and this next season of life, if we dedicated just one solid hour a week to be on our face before the Lord. Now, with, with anything, right, we want to make sure that we give each other the, the tools and, and the encouragement to succeed. And so what we're going to do, what, what our staff has been working really hard on is a, is a five-week prayer guide that will be emailed out to all of those who sign up to be a part of this. And we even have hard copies here available at the church so that you can come alongside and, and, and you can have those tools so that when you sit down for your hour that week, we've given you some things to, to, to walk along with that, all right? Now, now I, want, I want to say a couple of other things too, all right? I, I want to challenge you to join us, but there's only so many 8 a.m. Tuesdays, right? Okay? Um, in order for us to do this, it's going to involve some people stepping up and saying, we're going to take some really inconvenient hours. And so here's the pastoral guilt moment, all right? If we can get up at 1 a.m. for Black Friday, we can get up at 3 a.m. to pray before God, all right? And if you maybe follow along in my train of thinking, if you can get up at 2 a.m. on opening day of duck season, right, to drive an hour to sit there for five minutes, right? And then we can get up a little bit earlier one day a week to do that. So again, willowridgechurch.com forward slash prayer. Join us in there. I want to say this, you know, with where you are, maybe as individuals you do this, maybe as couples you decide to do this together, maybe as families. Parents, let me kind of, let me give you some permission on some things with this, okay? Because I want to fall into the heart of, of what we're trying to do and not into the legalism of this, Okay. If, if you're like six-year-old or seven-year-old comes up to you and says, I want an hour, don't sit down and say, right, but, but you can't do this for an hour, right? Celebrate what God's doing in their heart. Come alongside them, maybe join them within this, right? And, and, and as, we, as we move forward. And so please go sign up. I'm excited to see what God's going to do. And, and, and it's all leading and building to this. And, and it's really building toward what we're looking and anticipating God to do through our next sermon series after that, on August the 15th, 
called Family Reunion. All right, Family Reunion, we're getting the family back together again. So a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away in January of 2020, right? It's a long time ago, it feels like. We made a move in, in vision as a church. We made a move in the application of what we were doing. And if you've been new to our, our church since then, you, you probably aren't aware of, of what we did, but we, we moved from, from two services to one. And, and you may say, like, oh, well, that doesn't seem like a big move, but it was a, it was a very strategic move for us. It, it, it wasn't a strategic move because of numbers. It, it was a strategic move because of where we felt like how God had, had gifted and blessed our church in certain ways and in our personality of what God was calling us to. Now, I, I want to say this. Like, I've been a part of, of a mega church, multi-site church before, um, and the DNA of that, and it is great and it's good how God has used and is using those type churches but that's not who we are. And what we began to realize, what we understood is, is I would sit there and have conversations from somebody at the 930 service and say, do you know this person who's there every week at the 11 and they have no clue, but they've been going to the same church for, uh, for 10 years. And we say we're a church family, but we don't know each other. And so we started putting an emphasis on what does it mean to, to have the family be together and that it's family time when the family eats together and, and fellowships together and, and, and builds on that together. And so we, we, we came out and, and that was our emphasis with where we were going. And then March 15th happened and this is the last time I'm gonna talk about COVID this morning and, and it adjusted that, right? And, 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 and we, uh, it, it was very painful um, for, for me from March 15th to June to, to not be face-to-face -face and kind of have this and so as we were coming back out of that season we just wanted to get together and get together and get together and so that's what we've been working toward and and I'll just say this um, since we've been at two services I'm so grateful we actually started with three since we've been at two um, my heart's just not at peace because I don't believe this is who God has us to be and so on on August the 15th we're gonna move back to one service so that we can get the family back together again it's been too long so here's what that's going to look like for, for us. For those of you that can remember all the way back, we're still going to have our coffee talk time before the service starts at 9.30 in the morning. Now, I want to say this to you, right? Like this, this time together is important. All right, this time we're going to come together and, and have coffee and, and juice and, and snacks for the kids and the adults and, and everybody together. This is important time for us as a church family because what we have in, in, in our church and our dynamic is, is different than a lot of other places, all right? And we've got people who are in this, this building right now who are representing four different counties across our state. And so you begin to think about all of the different schools that are represented in towns and, and cities and places that are represented. And we just need a, a moment in time where, where we can come together and, 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 and interact and, and, and fellowship, and, and God is glorified in that. And so that's what we do at 930. We gather together, bring the kids in here. They're going to be loud. They're going to spill things, all right? They're going to jump on chairs. Like, we don't care, right? Every Christmas is a little chaotic, and we love it. And that's what we want, all right? So we're going to have that time together at, at 930, and then at 10 o'clock, worship will begin. Before worship begins, parents will be notified when they can get their kids to their classes and, and their worship spaces, and we'll, we'll have those as well. So August 15th is where we'll begin. Now, here's some other things that we're going to work on with this series. August 15th, August 22nd, August 29th, it's a three-week series, family reunion. We'll come and we'll gather in here together, all of us, for, for worship, and, and, and then at, at night, we're going to re 
gather, okay? We're going to come back together, the entire church family, getting all of us back together again for just continuing to build on that momentum of gathering everybody back. Small group leaders be a wonderful time to help connect people to your small groups, men's group, women's group. Wonderful time. It's a wonderful opportunity for you to be able to sit there and meet someone that you don't know. And so that's what we're, that's what we're looking to for this family reunion series. And so part of this, I'll be honest with you, as, as God laid on my heart this family reunion series and then brought on the prayer series, as we can be in a season and time of prayer as we work toward this and as we move toward what God wants. Now, in order for this to happen, we're, we're going to ask for a few things from you. Now, we've already asked um, for, for you to pray, so we want you to do that. We want you to pray starting now. Like, please don't say, I ain't got to pray until July 11th, right? That's what Bo told me. And if I signed up for the 14th, I ain't got to pray till then. No, 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 that's not what we're saying, right? Pray now. But, but a few more things that we're going to ask you for. Number, number one, um, we need more children's ministry volunteers. In order for us to do what we feel like God's doing, we need more children's ministry volunteers. And so we've made it very simple for you. There's a card right here. All right, and, and on this card are lots of different places and opportunities where you can serve and you can do that. Uh, if you want to fill out one of these and drop it out at the, ex, at the basket underneath the exit sign, we can, we can, uh, you can do that at the end of the service. Dawn Coulter, our, our children's minister, she'll be in here at the end of the service as well. So if you've got questions, if you don't know where you want to serve and so you just write your name down, that's cool. If you've got questions, that's great. We want to be able to connect you with that. I, I want to say this. Um, if you're a parent with a child in, in the children's ministry, no greater time and greater opportunity for you to invest in their discipleship than you being their small group leader, you being their worship leader, you being an assistant in the room, you being a greeter, and, and having those opportunities. That's number one. So, so parents, hear me. Now, if you no longer have kids in the children's ministry, let me say this. No greater opportunity than for you to invest back into the ministry that poured into your kids, right? So they didn't get out of fifth grade and you got to say, I'm done, right? Gives us these opportunities to do that. So we would love for you to, to be a part of this. Now, the, the second thing that we need for from you, and, and I'm preaching to the choir, all right? But we need you back. We need you back. The latest statistic that I read was only about 40% of the church across the United States is back, and numbers of estimation only believe that the church will only get back to somewhere around 70% than where they were pre-COVID. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, I don't know that that's a bad thing as we really begin who needs to be discipled and who needs to be evangelized, all right? But we need you back and, and, and we need you here. We're, we're not the family when the family isn't here. Now, I know I'm saying this, I'm, I'm preaching to the, to the choir, right? So many of you have been here, so many of you have been on your process and, and you're here this morning, but I want to challenge you. You know some people who aren't. And I want you to pray about how you can have conversations and lean in and press into them uh, so that they can have the opportunity to be here as well. Um, but then also, like, don't wait till August 15th if you're, if you're hearing this. Don't wait. And this, this is honestly, church, like, God's been very, very good to us, and we've been very fortunate during this season with financially, we're, we're, we're higher than most churches on, on attendance and, and, and people coming back. Um, so this isn't for us, but this is what we believe, like God's calling us to be better as a church family. The writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 10, 23 through, through 25, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, 
Verse 25, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So it's the good, what God's calling us to in his word is, is the body is better when we're here together. You know, I thought about this illustration this, this past week. We're, we're referred to as the body of Christ. And even in places in scripture, it's represented what the body looks like and how the body can be healthy. And the, the illustration isn't just the body, but the illustration is literally describing what the human body looks like. And, and, and here's, here's what it's like when the body's not accounted for. Now, if I were in an accident today after church service and, and I lost my, my right hand, all right? Now, now, I can lose my right hand and still live. I can lose my, my right hand and it's going to be painful. It's going to be a process. But I can lose my right hand and, and continue on. But, but the truth is, I'm not going to be as strong as I was before when I had the hand. And that's the body of Christ. And that's what I want people to understand. That the body is, is the best when, when, when you're here. Please get that. You, every one of you, make me better. Every one of you challenge me in my faith. Every one of you encourage me. I need you. And you need each other. But I also want to say this. If I lose the hand, and the hand is cut off from me, do you know what happens very quickly to that hand? It dies. It dies. And that's the hard part through this process. That's the hard part of, of seeing and, and, and having. And it's why I said what I said before about maybe it's pointing to where, where we need to evangelize and, and where we need to share and where we need to share the hope of Christ with people, okay? So July 11th, our prayer series, join us, be a part of that. Like, do, man, sign up for the crazy hours. Like, my, my hope is that we realize, like, man, everybody has signed up for all the hours except from, like, the 7 to 10 a.m. hours, right? Like, like fill those, do that, uh, be that person that says, I'm going I'm to do this and see what God's going to do, but then also be praying about what God's going to do for August 15th. So I've rambled on enough. Let's pray and then, and then jump into to Luke 22. Lord, I just thank you so much for this church, Lord, this body, Lord, and, and, and just how you are working and, and moving. God, I'm so grateful for this, this season that we're, we're, we're somewhat still in, coming out of, because, Lord, of what you've done and what we've been able to see and what we've been able to experience. And God, what you're, how you're positioning us in that capacity as we move forward for, for your name and, and for your renown. And so, God, be, be glorified in us. Lord, today as we open your word, today as we take part in the, in the Lord's Supper together, Lord, I pray for, for hearts to be changed, for eyes to be opened. Lord, and maybe even today someone might be saved. And we'll give you all the praise and honor and glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so let's start verse 7, Luke 22. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat it. And they said to him, where will you have us prepare it? 
And he said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters and tell the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished, prepare it there. And they went and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I've earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you. Don't miss this before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it amongst yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup after they had eaten, saying this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hands of him who betrays me is with me on the table." For the Son of Man goes as has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another which of them it could be who was going to do this. So what we find is here as, as Jesus is getting closer and closer to the cross as they've entered into Jerusalem is this setting that we've read about so many times. Paintings have been painted about this. We, we've seen this be portrayed and, and what we see is what we know as the, the instructions of the Lord's Supper. What Jesus gives to the church, commands the church, and instructs the church to do. So when it comes to taken the Lord's Supper to, together as a body, and, and I've been using this phrase a lot lately, and, and I'm trying to see, like, Lord, what are you trying to just teach me, and what are you trying to teach us in this? Like, this isn't a suggestion of Scripture, of Jesus saying, hey, this might be a good idea. Jesus saying, no, like, do this, do this, do this. And so this is the setting that we walk into and that we see. But there's something that happens in the first few verses that I want to spend some time this morning us talking about as, we, as we've got these cups and we, we see the juice and we see this little wafer that's on top of, of what it's going to point to and what Jesus is, is laying out. In fact, look back at, at verse 22. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he's betrayed. And so Jesus talks about the suffering that he'll face. He's like, well, let's, let's understand some things that are, that are happening. It's been determined. It's been set. And it's not been determined and set by the guy who's going to turn me over. And so what I want us to get as we think about the cross, as we take in the Lord's Supper together today, is, is this, is that the sovereignty of God and the sacrifice of Christ the sovereignty of God in the sacrifice of Christ. Jesus has been telling the disciples over and over and over again what will happen. Not what may happen, 
not what he's looking forward to happening, but Jesus is saying, no, no, this is what will take place. This is what has been determined. And the only one who can determine is God. And all through this, what Jesus is pointing to is the sovereignty of God in the suffering of Christ. When, when Pastor Dave pe- preached a, a few weeks ago, he, he pointed out some of this in Luke 19. If you've got your Bible, I apologize. It's not on the screen. I added this this morning, but, but flip back to Luke 19, 29. When he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village in front of you where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? Verse 34, and they said, the Lord needed it. And so Jesus has already done this before. Going into a a new place for them and something that's gotta happen and take place. And he doesn't say, hey, go walk and see if you can find a donkey. Jesus says, no, here's what it's gonna be. And here's what they're gonna ask. And here's what you say. And can you imagine being the disciples in that moment of, of having that? So, so they're in Jerusalem. They're there at, at Passover, right, which is like going like to Myrtle. All right, a few years ago, we decided to, to go to Myrtle Beach like two days before, and we didn't know that it was senior week. And we tried to find a room, and we couldn't, right? And it was packed, we finally found one room and really wish when we got in there that we hadn't gone to Myrtle Beach for senior week with our two little kids, right? Another story, another message, another time, right? But, but they says, go in there. It's, it's, gonna be, it's impossible. There's no place as Jesus. He says, no, 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 go, go. There, there's a room. It's been determined. And he tells his disciples that you're gonna see a man carrying a jar of water. Now, I'm going to try, don't, don't receive this offensively, ladies. During the time of Jesus, men didn't carry water. That was women's work. So Jesus sets two impossible tasks in front of them. Walk into the city, you'll see a man carrying a jar of water. Now that ain't going to happen. It happened. Follow him to the house that he enters. Right? Don't, don't ask him. Just, just follow him. And then when he goes in, walk in with him and not ask, but tell the owner of the house, here's what we're here to have, give it to us. And it's what happens. Why is Jesus doing this? Because I I believe that as Jesus is gonna go into a garden and be betrayed, that as Jesus is gonna be led out and Jesus is gonna be beaten and mocked and betrayed, as Jesus is gonna be nailed to a cross, that he wants all of those with him to know that God is still in control and that it's been determined. Jesus says in John 10, 18, you don't take my life from me, I lay it down that changes the narrative of the crucifixion. 
You don't take it from me. It isn't yours to take. I give it. I lay it down for you. The sacrifice of Jesus was not God playing the cards he was dealt, but was instead in the will and determination of God fulfilling all that he said that he would do. That's the cross. That's Good Friday. That's why there's hope for you and I because of Easter morning. And so Jesus telling the disciples, all this will happen, all this will take place, is reminding them that in spite of what you see, in spite of what you feel, in spite of what others tell you, God is still in control. And it's a great picture of hope for you and for I and our salvation. But it's also the great reminder of how we can trust God in our life right now. No matter where you find yourself in life, no matter where your decisions have led you, no matter how you feel you're working with the cards that are dealt to you, no matter the the battle, no matter the suffering that you face, church, please hear me. There isn't a moment in your life, not at your lowest of the lows or the highest of your highs, There's not a moment in your life where you are not in the sovereign hand of God. I can't explain the circumstances. I can't explain why things are working out the way they're working out. But God hadn't left you. God hadn't released you. It's where you are. So it's so often the case to pass over. But God's saying, hey, let me remind you about who I am. There's a guy going to be carrying a jug of water. I know that's impossible, but there's a guy carrying a jug of water. Follow him to a room. I know all the rooms are gone. Follow him to a room and say, that's ours. The teacher needs it. And this is where we'll be. And the sovereignty of God and the sacrifice of Jesus and the sovereignty of God in your life. So then Jesus leads the disciples in their first Lord's Supper. And they they, they begin to take on the the, the Passover meal. And and we don't have the time today, I wish we did, we don't have the time today to to really get in and understand all about the Passover meal, but in the the Jewish tradition and faith of God's faithfulness of the the Passover that happened when the children were saved, we we begin to understand all of this, uh, which we could dive into more time with that, but but they begin to take the meal, and then then Jesus does something different. He says, "But, but also, here's my body, and here's my blood, do this, in remembrance of me. Now again, this is the other reminder. Do this in remembrance of me. Now what is, like, remember when I'm not with you and when you gather, there's this piece that's there that that you're gonna do out of celebration to remember me. Now now for us, if if you've been raised in a a church, then then you maybe got some understanding of what what this is talking about. But but if you you haven't, then then, then you're like the disciples and they're like, well, this is weird. This is is this body and this is this blood. Like what in the world is going on? This is the bread and and the cup. 
And it's going to be two pictures that, that Jesus gives the disciples, that Jesus gives to the church, that, they, that you and I are supposed to do, not as just a means of, of a moment of, of religion, but out of the heart that's been transformed where we acknowledge the sacrifice of Christ. And so what I want us to do for, for just a few moments is talk about the bread and the cup and, and think through all that this means. And my prayer for you and my prayer for me has been all this week, like, God, just let it rest on us. Like, like let it hit home. Sometimes we, we, we do things and we forget why we do them until we're redirected to the importance of it. And my hope for us and for you and the Lord's Supper, if the Lord's Supper has just been something that we do, that through the illustration of the bread and the cup, that we'll be able to understand. So let's look at this. Christ's body is, is the bread. And we look at the work of what Christ will do on the cross. His body was sacrificed on our behalf. Galatians 3.13 says this. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is anyone who is hanged on a tree. So here's what this is telling us. Here's what Paul is letting us know, that Christ redeemed us, you and I, followers of Jesus, from the curse of the law. Because here's what the law tells you and me and your grandma and your kid, right? Here's what the law tells all of us, all of you who think you're really good and all of you who think you're really bad. Here's what the law tells all of us. We're all guilty. Every single one of us that apart from Christ, we are guilty. And so what Jesus comes and what he does through his body that we are guilty and guilty people deserve punishment. And so we deserve the full wrath of God. The full punishment to be poured out on me for my sins. Not just a spiritual punishment, but a physical punishment. And so I deserve death. I deserve death for all the horrible things and all the maybe not so big deal things that I think that are big deals because they're sin. For all of them. And so Paul says that Christ redeemed us from the curse. So, so he said, nope, I'm going to make a way for you to not have to stand in that full wrath of, of God. But because God is holy and because God is just, someone has to, and it must be a perfect sacrifice. Free from sin. And so Jesus is, it's him. It's who he is. It's, it's what he does. So when we, when we take the bread together, when we think of the body of what's been done for us, we're reminded of what we deserve. And we're reminded of what Christ did for us by taking the wrath of God on himself. Yesterday, I, I get like this sometimes, and um, my wife knows that I'm going to make a really big mess in our house, and I organize my closet, right? 
So I have everything out of my closet onto our bed. There's stacks of stuff, and I'm getting everything organized, throwing stuff away, goodwill pile. Oh, I didn't even know that I had that, right? That's what I'm kind of doing. And I was going through my dresser, and, and I pulled out pieces that my grandfather had left me of, of patches and, and different things off of his military uniform from World War II. And, and I found them in a little box that I'd stored them in in the top drawer of my dresser. And in that moment, as I, as I sat there and just rubbed the fabric from so long ago and, and looked at them and, and honestly wondered what, what each thing was for, and I was reminded of the sacrifice that so many men and women made and so many men and women make. And so this morning, in, in a few minutes, when we take the bread... Don't rush through it. Sit there for a moment and remember the sacrifice that was made so that you and I could experience freedom and eternity because Jesus got on the cross in our place. The second element is, is Christ's blood is the cup. His blood that was spilled so that you and I may be clean. Revelation seven thirteen. Then one of the elders addressed me saying, who are these clothed in white robes and from where have they come? And I said to him, sir, you know. And he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple, and he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. And so this picture, like, like hey, who are they? Oh, well, they're, they're the ones who are clean. And how are they clean? They're clean by the blood of the lamb. And look back. I love therefores. Since they've had the blood of the lamb, they are before the throne of God. You see, because it's not our works that are going to cover us. It's not what we've been able to put together that makes us acceptable. It's through the blood of Christ that makes us clean. That through his blood, he makes a way for us to be with God. That his blood covers all our sins, and his blood makes the sacrifice complete. As wise believers, we're covered, made new, made holy through the blood of Christ. So as his body was sacrificed, and as his blood was spilled, it's what makes us clean. And so as we look at this juice that's in this cup, we're reminded of what Jesus did and the means by which it was done and the sacrifice that was made so that every sinful thought, every sinful word, every sinful action that you and I 
have ever done or ever will do will be washed away and made clean. And that we can stand before God, not in our own merit of who we are, but we can stand before God in the merit of Christ because of who Christ is, because his blood makes us clean. Thanks again for listening to the Willow Ridge Church weekly podcast. We hope that you enjoyed listening to this week's message. If you'd like to learn more about who we are or explore additional resources, visit us online at www.willowridgechurch.com or by searching for Willow Ridge Church on Facebook and Instagram.